Good day, everybody. Tom and Keith with you. KJ, uh, we're a couple hours late. I'm just going to suggest that it was a, a, an enjoyable time after the Sunday night festivities uh, in the Caesars Superdome. But what a win for FSU, 24-23. Wasn't easy in the Big Easy, to quote Gene Deckerhoff, but it was a win, and we will certainly take it. Without question. Now, the good news is you were able to win a ball game on national television in a very exciting way. But you've got a lot of tape of things that you can show kids that if you want to go from good to great, here's where we can't do this and here's where we have to do that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a great teaching moment as well as just something for FSU and Noel Nation to be happy about. If you want, if you want to start there, Keith, that was my immediate thought that it's a best case scenario in terms of not getting a little too big for your britches too soon with Louisville coming around the corner. You're sitting two and zero, but it's uh, there, there's a lot of flaws in that two and zero, and so this will be a week where the coaches, two weeks where the coaches can really get the players' attention. Uh, it, it's different mentally, psychologically than if you win that game, twenty eight to seven or twenty eight to ten, whatever. So I a hundred percent agree with your sentiment there. And I think that's interesting because again, you know, you're in year three of the Norvell uh, time frame. And there are certain principles that he is basing this program on about how to do and what to do. Uh, and we'll get into how maybe some of us disagree with some of those principles, uh, like a fourth and two on the eight yard line and, you know, some other things like that. But we'll cover that in just a second. However, when you can teach from a win, uh, I just I just happen to think that is a whole lot better than teaching from a loss. And to your point. If you teach from a close win, a game that the kids know they could have lost, it was one play away from a loss, or in the case of the point after uh, going into overtime, um, that gets their attention. That really gets their attention. So uh, this is kind of a best-case scenario, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think, too. All right, so let's we'll go to the, the players, and uh, we're going to have to talk about Jordan Travis. I thought he was magnificent. Jared Verse, we keep saying he's not going to be Jermaine Johnson, but he's two games into his FSU career and has three sacks, so maybe we need to adjust, right? Um, no, let's let's go to the decision. So I think you and I philosophically disagree a little bit. I, I tend to be more in favor of go for it on fourth down. But when you look at last night's game, it was a this was the the halftime score was not 31-28, where you need to start thinking about touchdowns and not field goals. I mean, the hat, well, it was 7-3 at that point, wasn't correct. it? Was that the right score? That's correct. So it was 7-3. It's a low-scoring game, and they gave you a gift by muffing that punt. And so, to me, the play you needed there was to take the field goal. And, again, I'm not normally on that side. If you take that – if you get that field goal, then everything that happened at the back end of the game probably doesn't happen because you're still ahead by three more points. You still have a two-score lead at the end. That was my thought, but but Norvell's mindset, and it hasn't wavered since he's been here, he's aggressive. He wants these guys to play to win, to be confident. He's aggressive on it. Didn't work out. I didn't see the replay. I mean, maybe Pittman should have caught that ball. It was a pretty decent throw. But that's that's that was my feeling in the moment when they walked in and they didn't get any points out of that situation. Um, in answer to your first question, um, it was a very good throw, and it's a ball that Pittman will tell you he should have caught. It, it went, it literally went through the bread basket. Now, tough yeah. catch, no question. Here's the thing though, Tommy, the, the analytics tell you things from a percentage standpoint. 
But the analytics don't put those percentages, those probabilities into context. Here's the context on that fourth down. There's eight or nine seconds left, whatever it was, 10 seconds, whatever it was. You're getting the ball coming out of halftime. Kick the field goal, ride the momentum, go in 10-3, and come out in the second half on that first drive. Now, I, I don't want to bring up uh, personalities, but one of the things that I learned, there's, there's two things I learned. One from Coach, many things I learned from Coach Gowden, but one I'll talk about in a second. But one of the things I learned from Jimbo is probably the most important part of the ball game is the last four minutes of the second quarter and the first four minutes of the third quarter. You win that, you're going to win a bunch of ball games. And uh, that's why the, the analytics are what they are. And I applaud Mike for, for Coach, Coach Norvell, Norvell for using them. I'm not saying it was a horrible decision. I'm just saying I would have made a different decision putting those analytics into context. Well, and, and I'll say this because I talked to him at the start of the third quarter on the radio, and uh, it was not an analytics decision. He, he called it a gut decision is what he said to me. Sometimes you go with your gut. I could kind of see in his eyes that maybe he wished he had made a different decision, but at that point, you got to play a coach a second half of football. You know, that's in the rearview nope. mirror. It does no exactly. It's over and done uh, with. Over and done with. Uh, but that's what he said in the moment. I don't know what he said post game. I haven't heard all of the media uh, post game interviews. So that was. By one. the way, to interrupt you. By the way, to interrupt you. Here's the Bowden thing, and, and our listeners have heard it. You've heard it when I remind you of it. Here's the way your program goes when you're building it. You, you, you lose big, you lose close, you win close, and then you win big. Yep. And uh, the encouraging part for me is uh, maybe we're at step three. We're now winning a close game. As long as we're, we're quoting uh, coaches here, I'll go back to Jimbo, who also said, never apologize for a win. Never Correct. apologize for a win. And even last night as I was talking to fans at the hotel bar, it, it, I guess it's human nature, but the inclination is to go to, what are we doing with this call? What are we doing with that call? I said, never apologize for a win. You're 2-0. and We'll get better and just enjoy it. The, the fans don't have to learn anything. It's the kids that got to learn from the things you did good and you got to do them better and the things you did bad, you got to correct. You're exactly right. This is uh, it's anecdotal, but obviously I'm on the FSU sideline, Keith. And if, if the extra point is good at the end, I don't know how emotionally Florida State could have possibly won that game in overtime. The dome had totally turned to LSU. Florida State had that game won. And if it goes to overtime now, maybe they could have reset the counter and, done, and, and did it. I'm just glad it didn't come down to that. So let's go down to the, the second muff punt. Then this is the other thing that, that people were talking about. You, you turn it over on a pitch, and I'll set that up a little bit, but your general thoughts on, on running a toss sweep or a pitch in that scenario compared to a handoff, Keith? It's absolutely the best. You run the analytics, you fumble more on a handoff than you do a pitch. Why do you think when you run the double reverse, you throw the ball up in the air and let the person coming the other way catch it? It's a much safer play. And even the commentators on the national broadcast, they're just wrong. That's, that is an ideal way to run a goal line play. So let's, let's set it up a little bit further. 
and I don't go to a lot of practice, but FSU does not put Jordan under center very often at all. They're always in the gun. So last night before that play, it was earlier in the, it was in the second half. I don't remember if it was third or fourth quarter. It was about a third and three, maybe third and two. All of a sudden, for the first time all night, they put Travis under center. LSU bunches in tight because they think he's going to try to sneak for the first. And he pitches it to Toa Feely, who gets six yards for a first down. And, and that play was absolutely there last night. It just wasn't executed. It was going to be an easy touchdown if that pitch is successfully executed. Unfortunately, in the moment, you're thinking, really? They just tried to hand us the game, and we're going to hand it back to them? But well, I, I what appreciate was the setup? What was the setup that they scored on with Lundy? Yeah, well, that was William Floyd was very happy about that. It was 35 well, belly back is, in his day. Yeah. My point is you put him under center, and that way you can hand the ball off much closer to the line of scrimmage. You don't give the defense that extra second to get a push or to get uh, leverage. I mean, yes, you don't run that often, but I played high school quarterback. I was under center all the time. I don't even think the pistol had been invented and the shotgun was something we used in a dove field. You know, it, it, it's not, it's football. You know, that's how you do it. I, I, I think the call was great. I think the ex, you're exactly right. The execution was what was poor. But again, when you put it on, put somebody under center and you've got a fullback, you've always got that quick hitter. What was it that, uh, uh, Dane Williams scored 117 touchdowns on 30, 34 wham, 38 wham, yep. whatever that yep. was. Um, so no, I have no criticism of that. None whatsoever. Yeah. It's just unfortunate, but those two plays, if you think about it, that's how close Florida state was to really winning that game handily. Now, correct. To be fair, when LSU cleans up its special teams, uh, there'll be a better football game and let's tip our cap to FSU special teams in spite of, the kick, two kickoffs that went out of bounds, which it's just inexcusable. You block two kicks, you recover two muff punts, your return game, you got them out to the 20 or 25. Maybe the second time he didn't get to the 25, but McCall ran hard. There was no dancing. He just went. Uh, the punt returns, there wasn't a big chance, but I mean, Pittman did co He caught the way. He had to backpedal 15 yards to catch that one that was 56 yards in the air or whatever, Keith, but he caught it before it bounced. I mean, it was a good night for the special teams. I agree, and it's interesting. I, I, I also have not heard um, if, if there is any sound out there from Coach Papuchas uh, about the PAT or the Phil Golden PAT block, but here's two things about that, Tommy. You know, we talk about punt block and punt return. We don't ever say field goal block or PAT block. It's just the, the kick team. Um, I guarantee you they saw something somewhere from something that, that were, they were able to impress upon the kids that if you'll do this, this, and this, you'll have an opportunity to block a kick. Because those were not blocked from the outside. They were blocked from straight up the middle. And it could be that they had a perception that the kicker got the ball out on a lower trajectory. They, they may have gotten a perception that the way LSU is taught to protect in the kicks situations is to go down, so therefore you can get your hands on them and then go straight up. Um, I don't know what it was, but I'll guarantee you, while that was great effort, I'm going to give some credit to the coaching staff and specifically to Coach Papuchas for, for seeing something that resulted in that. I talked to Shaheem Brown in the celebration after the game. I'd have to go back and listen, but 
He said he told Papuchas after the first PAT earlier in the game that they could get one. So there was something in there they felt they could get. And then, I, again, I haven't looked at the replay, but I think I heard or read that they moved verse somewhere and LSU shifted extra attention his way and it helped it helped with Brown. But whatever it is, they they recognized something and it was uh, it was remarkable to win a game that way. Uh, think about being on the other side of this, Keith, and we've been on the other side. I mean, Georgia Tech in 2015 is probably the closest example I can think of. You got a good kicker, you're lining up to kick a game-winning field goal, you think you're going to win the game, and it's blocked and it's a kick six, and you go from the high to the low like that. That's what happened to the LSU side. I mean, the whole air just – I don't know how the dome was still upright on that side of the stadium. The air just went out of the dome over there just like that, and the celebration was crazy on the FSU sideline to win a game like that. It was nuts. There were some unusual things in that ball game. Uh, if you want to be critical of LSU, um, you know, they're outstanding. They're All-American wide receiver. I cannot pronounce his last name. Starts with a B. Yeah, I mean, he had two catches. He had two catches for 20 yards, and they were all in the fourth quarter. They never got the ball to him. Uh, how, how, I don't know what the right, how disappointing is not the right word, but, you know, how just sad that their big defensive lineman tweaked his D. And, and if you saw the replay, for those of our listeners that saw the replay when he was injured, he, he literally was, I say celebrating, he was not over celebrating, but somebody had made a nice tackle right at the line of scrimmage, and he just jumped up you know, gleefully and landed awkwardly on that knee. And I have not heard what the diagnosis is, preliminary diagnosis, but I will just tell you it didn't look good. And, you know, on and on and on. And, and they've got a talent in Daniels. We saw what Richardson did for Florida. You know what Travis did for Florida State. Rich, uh, um, 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 uh, what am I looking for here? I don't know. Um, Daniels, I, I Daniels I'm sorry, Daniels, the quarterback. Uh, you, you know, the things that he was able to do, I mean, we're back, we're, we're full-blown back into um, the age of the quarterback that runs uh, the RPO, and, and you're starting to get some really talented guys that are running these offenses. Speaking of which, how'd Jordan Travis look on the tube there, Keith? <sighs> um, all world, you know, I hate to put it that far ahead, but, um, you know, the things that he was able to do with his decision-making, um, the thing that the, the, the rollouts and the waggles that he was able to execute, uh, his toughness. And you even saw him get down and get out of bounds a couple of times. He's growing in that maturity. You know, he was 20 of 32 for 260 yards. Um, he, he was able to, you know, use his feet when he needed to uh, for yardage, ended up uh, with just uh, 31 net yards. But the, when he did run the ball, it was effective. You know, the only thing that I think you can take away from the offensive side is uh, a couple of passes that met, could have been spectacular catches that really, really would have added. And obviously, you know, Pookie Wilson made his return uh, quite outstanding. Uh, and at the same time, the, the running game, I know you're going against a very, very tough LSU defense. And their front four, front, front five, even with players out, are about as good as anybody in the country. And you still rush for 132 yards. So they, they didn't abandon the rushing game. But as I said, you win a ball game, but there are a lot of room. There's a lot of room for improvement 
And that's all on tape and you'll be able to illustrate and show that to your kids. Thinking about it in terms of, I mean, Travis just, he, he's playing with such command of the offense right now. The Pittman ball could have been a touchdown. He hit Johnny Wilson on a great throw that could have been, maybe should have been a touchdown. Uh, he hit Cam McDonald for what would have been a 25-yard pass, and McDonald just dropped it over dropped the middle. It. The only one that got in harm's way was trying to go to Cam in the back left corner in the end zone, and that's because Travis had to throw off his back foot because of pressure. And I was standing right there. It was six inches from being over that DB's ha uh, hand and being a touchdown to Cam McDonald. I mean, that that's how accurate he's been. To me, the, the noticeable difference last night, Jaden Daniels is first guy is covered. I'm going to run. Jordan right. Travis is now at the point. First guy is covered. Second guy is covered. I'm going to move around and keep my head up. How many throws did he make like that to drive LSU crazy? Instead of running, maybe taking a shot. He, 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 I'm not saying he stayed in the pocket. He moved to where he had to, and then he would put a ball where his receiver could get it. The only real criticism I would have, and it's just an eyeball criticism, because uh, I've not seen the replays, not had the opportunity to back them up, go forward, et cetera, et cetera. But the only criticism is a couple of throws he threw back across his body. Now, that's a dangerous throw. That the kids were basically wide open, so it was a good decision, if that makes sense. But uh, I would make sure that uh, I spent some time talking with him about those types of throws. Those are you got to pick and yeah. choose those. That's not something you want to fall in the trap of. He, he did that twice. Yeah. Uh, the offensive line, by the way, so we didn't know until the game started that Bless Harris was not available. He's in a sling. So you lost your starting right tackle. Uh, but you did get Maurice Smith back. Darius Washington was dressed and Maurice played the whole way at center. But again, second game, second starting five. I thought they held up pretty well against a very good defensive front. Agreed. You know, you run the ball for 132 yards, uh, you know, against an SEC caliber defense. Um, that's, that's average. I'm not saying that's good or great, but that's average, certainly not poor. Uh, and I thought the running backs ran well. Now, did you get a report on why we didn't see, um, very much of, uh, Trey Benson? I think he only had six carries in the ball game. I did not, but if I had to guess, he was doing a little too much dancing and, uh, and whereas Trayshawn Ward was, was finding three or four yards and Benson was more finding one or two. He was looking for holes that weren't going to be there, so he needed to put his head down and go. Right, right. Um, I'm not aware of an injury, if that's what you're asking. Yeah. Right, and I don't remember even seeing him much in the first half at all. I was scared that he was he was injured um, or or had had an issue. Um, so that part was good. Uh, I guess the the age old thing I'd go back to, Tommy, is uh, you turn the ball over, you give LSU the ball on the one yard line, and you go to prevent. And again. This is not a criticism of, uh, of Adam and Randy and the rest of the defensive staff, but the older I've gotten, and our listeners have heard me say this, I think I've gotten to the point where I believe that the prevent defense only prevents you from winning the ballgame because they, they let them march 99. Now, they had to execute, but I'm sorry. Everything was wide open. They moved the ball down the field. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to do about that. I'm not smart enough to figure that one out, but it just drives me nuts. I know. I know. The joke is it prevents a win, right? Yep. It didn't last night. Florida State got one. Hey, uh, some some final thoughts, Keith. We could do a long show on this, but they're going to evict me from my hotel room here, so I'm going to need to 
to wrap things up and get back on the road to tally. What else you want to hit on real quick, and then we'll cover the rest later this week. Well, I think the one thing we need to do is is our primary and bank performance of the game, and I'm going to give that to the field goal and point after kick team. All 11 of them or however many were in there, if you sub some out from one to two, uh, we're going to give them the primary and performance of the game award. Uh, last I checked, Tommy, was it Michigan in the uh, uh, down in Miami? when Florida State blocked an extra point and or a field goal to win a ball game? Is that is my memory serving correct? Uh, that might be right. They had a couple of blocks against Georgia Tech in Norvell's first game, but they lost that game. So if you're talking a win, it might be Michigan. Yeah. Well, it certainly was a great performance. And speaking of performance, make sure you go by and visit our friends at Primary Bank. Uh, they'll offer you a nice cookie, uh, a, a bottle of water, and more than anything, great service and great products. They've got offices, uh, two in Tallahassee, one in Crawfordville, one in Lakeland. Uh, Prime Meridian Bank, member, member of FDIC, you can call them or visit them on the web at trymybank.com. I think that's a good choice. We never salute the special teams kick team, Keith. That's a first for Front Row Knowles, and we've been doing this a while. Write it down. Write it down. <laughs> um, other, any other comment? The only thing that I want to, to, to maybe spend a second talking about is effort. Um, this team shows great effort. I mean, those principles that Coach Norvell is talking about, uh, there was one particular pass play where um, uh, an LSU wide receiver, the ball was thrown to him and it went right, right in front of him because he was loafing on a route. And the commentators made a very strong statement about, uh, you know, the play before he was open and the ball hadn't gone to him, so he basically took the play off. I don't know if he did or not, but I don't recall ever seeing a Florida State kid taking a playoff. You? No, they played hard. I think that, and that's the thing about LSU, you know, it's going to take Kelly, I don't know how long it's going to take before everybody's bought into what he and his new coaching staff are doing. That's why it was, it was good timing to play LSU when FSU did. Here's hoping that it takes a year and a half and not just a year since FSU sees the Tigers again next year in Orlando, but, uh, yeah, no, I agree that this team, it's not the most super talented team FSU's ever had, not by a long shot. They're going to have to play hard. They're going to have to get some breaks. But candidly, Norvell's not gotten many or any breaks since he's been the head coach. So uh, he doesn't have to apologize for it, take the win and move on. He was happy as he should be. It's a, it's a big win for FSU. It certainly uh, puts Florida State a little bit more back in the national spotlight. Um, I think the uh, bye week, you know, playing Duquesne in week zero and the bye week uh, fits real well. Now, you're going to have a really tough game in Louisville. Uh, you and I were doing the game up there that was, you know, 112 to two or whatever the score was. Um, Papa John's or whatever they call that stadium now is, is a difficult place to play in, despite it being rather small. It is really, really loud. And Louisville is really, really talented. Now, they may not be playing well as a team yet, but they've got athletes. They've got guys that know how to play. Uh, they lost, I believe, this week. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't checked whether they have a, a game next week before the Friday game, a week from Friday. They do. Uh, they but do. that's going to be a tough contest. Yeah, they lost to Syracuse. They play UCF this week, so they will not have a bye week. Florida State's got some time to correct mistakes, get healthy and uh, recharge mentally before that game. Something I need to do before we chat again, Keith, for our uh, regular Wednesday show is uh, recharge mentally. But uh, appreciate it as always, sir. 
Tommy, y'all travel safe, and uh, we'll talk on Wednesday. All right. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles. All right, sir.